3: Shop these deals
2: at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change.
4: Restrictions apply. See site for details.
3: Welcome to Webcology. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the Internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing, and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies.
0: Hey everyone, welcome to Webcology here on webmasterradio.fm. It's the 5th of July. It's hard wrapping wrapping your mouth around the word July when summer's almost gone, but it's the 5th of July, 2018. This is Jim Hedger from Did It Always Media, Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing. Um, we have, later on, later in the show, at, uh, what, what, what would you say? Would you say this was popular request, Dave? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've got Dwayne Forster coming on the show. He was on the show, I think, just about a year ago. It was a really fun episode. He's got a lot, a lot more to say about um, entity-driven search, about, um, we'll call it new search. Is that a good term? New
2: search? Yeah!
4: Yeah, you know what? Because then it covers entities, it covers machine learning, it covers SERP layout changes, it just covers everything, and they're all so tied together. I think that's a great way to word it.
0: And it makes us sound real smart. So we're going to call that's it right. New Search from now on, and uh, now that everyone's listening knows what we're talking about, that's what I thought. I wonder if we can make that catch on for like you know at least long enough until uh, it's, it's not new anymore. <laughs>
4: And no more we'll regret not branding it. We should have called it Webcology Search. That's shoot. yeah, this is a, <laughs> this is a show where the web gets its ecology, right?
0: Yeah, that's right. Um, okay, interesting week. Um, not necessarily a uh, uh, absurd or a crazy week out on the uh, uh, on the, the 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 search hustings, but it was an interesting one. Um lots of news. It's going to be fun having uh, Dwayne Forrester coming up uh, 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 in in a few minutes. Um, there's a uh, there's a couple Google updates coming. One of which we 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 know is uh, is going to be an algo update, like a full blown algo update, and another one is um, what's being called the speed update. Um, I hope I, I really hope that this one gets called Speed Buggy, um, <laughs> favorite cartoon from when I was a kid. Uh, Google, <laughs> I, I love these ones. Love Seriously, this, 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 this is going to be my favorite story all week. Uh, this is from Search Engine Land. Barry Swartz wrote this on uh, July the 3rd, so two days ago. I love this headline. <laughs> Google clarifies <laughs> the upcoming speed update only impacts the slow sites. <laughs> Good. It's going to do its job then.
4: <laughs> well, I know. That's like, and, and you know what? Speeding tickets only impact people who are driving too fast. Way like. Yes, that's, that's absolutely – and in their Google – you know what, we we need to uh, – I'm just riled up today. You were chatting with me ahead of the show. We'll uh, I hate when Google says stuff like this, and yet I always find it funny anyway. So it's this love-hate relationship I have with – well, it's not really a penalty, but it just might happen to hurt you, right? Like, well, it's not going to impact you unless you have a slow sight, but – well, of, of course it is. And they've gone on to say, well, it's, and it was in a different article and, and a different comment, but basically, yeah, it's, it's not a penalty. And then at the same time, they're saying incremental changes to speed can help. Right. So it's, it's like, I always find this funny anyway, speed update coming and whether it's a penalty or not, make sure your site's fast.
0: <laughs> it annoys me about these, uh, these announcements besides the, the infantility of them. Mm-hmm. When they say it's only going to affect certain sites, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever played Tetris before, but you know, you, you know what happens when you play Tetris and a whole line disappears? <laughs> All the blocks yeah. above move down one line, and right. new blocks come in. Yeah, it's it's it, it's the way the game works. So if you remove something, it's only affected that one thing, except it's affected everything else that's been associated with that one thing. Right. Um, Google, I remember, I remember Google said this will only affect like 0.5% of the websites in our index, which right. was a stupid as, as, as heck comment when you think about how pretty much everything in the Googleverse is somehow interconnected. Um, one document affects, affects the perception of another document. Therefore, if you change the parameters of that original document, you're subtly making changes uh, to every other document that its reference uh, somehow affects. It's a butterfly effect, most certainly, but it's a very real one.
3: Oh, indeed. And I mean, you've got that
4: case of, you know, you can't, if you ran a company, you can't eternally chop the bottom 10%, right, to, to, to save money, because eventually you're just chopping off limbs of the last poor employee who's there, right? Like, it, it doesn't work. And that's what they've got here. Well, it only infects the slowest. Okay, so if everybody speeds up, what are the slowest now? Right? Like, oh, okay, my site is, you know, is slow. It was impacted. Well, as soon as I speed mine up and fix it, now a new one is. So it's it just, you know, as a, as a perk, though, the only advice you can take is make sure you're in the top 10%, right? yeah. <laughs> because, because then you know you're you're going to be pretty safe. And you know what? You should be doing it anyway because your users will thank you. So, you know, the, the advice is good still, but the way they word things is a little screwy so
0: so just to to beat this to death a little bit what is your favorite way to test uh test the site speed quickly
4: or
3: just uh, speed?
0: Quickly? you know
4: what i mean obviously i'm gonna use pay um page speed insight you know, the page speed insights um oh, yeah. but my actual favorite is gt metrics actually ah, right? you
0: know what those were the two that i had in mind excellent <laughs> excellent
4: um yeah they're they're both good one of them gives you Google's perception, which is not necessarily true. I like, I love that one because I've actually made sites, and this has happened slower and, and improving in page speed insights, right? Because it's built on global rules, so it's like, oh, okay, well, if I just like, you know, tweak these things, I actually have to make the image worse and and bigger and bulkier, but it'll pass this test. All right, <laughs> there we go. It'll, it'll pass it pass. You don't do that in real life, but. You know, because your user should come first, and you know, it's a matter of one point. But still, um, it's you know, GT metrics is where to go when it comes down to uh, actually improving your page speed.
0: And and the, the, the GT metrics like like PageSpeed Insights, a free tool. Use it. Um, the output of information, including the recommendations, are always useful. Yeah. Um, and then let's face it, it's nice and colorful to get the graphs and the reports. It's, you know what I mean yeah <laughs> uh, nice and colorful um okay i love these ones too this, this is my second favorite story of the of the day just again because i i i, I love branding stories I, I really do like this is this is this is what we want you to think of us is, is a branding story so google's retiring adwords and double click uh brand so adwords <laughs> not going to exist much longer double click Which, incidentally, DoubleClick is a fine, ancient um, uh, ad exchange. Uh, Google purchased that, what, in
4: 2007, 2008? Um, They did, and you and I, my friend, were discussing it on our way to whatever that restaurant was that had some truffle stuff in New York. It was that day during SES New York, and you and I were wandering the street. (laughs) Nice memory. (laughs) Yeah, I totally remember that. Nice. (laughs)
0: Um, that was a huge. That was a huge story when Google purchased this, uh, purchased DoubleClick. Um, you kind of knew that they were going to take over the on like they already dominated, but the purchase of DoubleClick meant they were going to take over the online environment, advertising and environment.
4: And it kind of worked. They, I, I hear they—they're a name to know anyway. Not well, anymore. <laughs> if you
0: are, uh, if you're advertising uh, through Google AdWords. Or across the uh, double click um, uh, 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 display display network, Google AdWords is now going to be Google Ads. Double click um, advertising and uh, the uh, Google Analytics three hundred and sixty are now going under the brand Google Marketing Platform. So yo yo people out there. This is going to affect you, even if you don't think it's going to affect you, because Google Analytics 360 is now going to be under the Google marketing platform, which is where um, display advertising is also going to be housed. Um, oh, one, more, one more thing. click for Publishers and double click Ad Exchange are now going to be uh, thrown into Google Ad Manager.
4: I love that they called it Google Ads, because the first thing I could think of was, yeah, that's a really peculiar, like, following the follower because they're following <laughs> bing went with bing ads now they're google ads <laughs> like okay normally bing follows google by by a bit but this is you know they've obviously decided eh, bing had the right idea there um <laughs> well, I, I i do get it but i i it's one of those i do and i don't get it because adwords was just so, so clear, but I think they might've been worried that AdWords was so tied to paid search and clearly their eye is outside of paid search um, and, you know, uh, across a whole array. And I'm sure, you know, my television at some point in the not too distant future. So
0: that is true. And uh, you know, when, uh, AdWords is an 18 year old brand. Uh, they've been calling it that for, um, since <laughs> the year 2000. Incidentally, if anybody wants to uh, really recall when Google got into uh, small box like advertising, eighteen years ago, two thousand. Um, it amazes me that it was uh, like I remember when they did that, like it was yesterday. Yeah, yeah. I knew, you knew,
4: you knew something coming. Now they're like, you're eighteen, get out. But
0: <laughs> uh, indeed, um, but yeah, I think you're right. Uh, they're 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 obviously expanding far beyond the small boxes seen at the. Uh, at the, uh, the 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 right of uh, search results, maybe at the top or bottom or wherever the heck they're, they're 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 placing adwords results these days. But they, they're also placing them in YouTube videos. Uh, we're trying to place them in radio ads, and like as you said, Dave, I'm pretty sure that they're aiming at the. In fact, we know for a fact they're aiming at the TV market. Um, Double click a little bit more interesting. Double click was never. Such a, a, an opaque brand, like it was not, ne- it was never like clear what double click was unless you were involved in uh banner advertising. But any display ad you see out there, 90% likely it's gone through the double click system.
4: Yeah, yeah, now they're doing good, and now they're doing it under a different name.
0: Yeah, um, and again, uh, uh, uh. Your analytics platform especially especially analytics for 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 the paid work that's all that's going to be folded under into Google marketing platform so that's where you're going to be looking and fi- looking for and finding that stuff in the future um, I wonder what we is it, it's a point to ask um, is this Google copying Bing you know what' we'll, we'll find out from Dwayne's reaction when we
4: do ask <laughs> <laughs> it, it's interesting because they're moving a lot of stuff um, You know, in in the partners that's moving over to the Google manager and stuff. So they're obviously doing a a big push to uh, to rebrand and, you know, change the way things are things are named. And uh, it's going to be interesting. So anyway, obviously, they got stuff on the radar we don't know about. So that's fantastic. It looks like we'll have a show for another 10, 12 years. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent.
0: (laughs) Okay, this one's scary. This one, this one really, this should should bug you, piss you off, all that stuff. Um, I'm actually pretty sure it does, Dave, because you're the one who put who posted <laughs> it. From this is a business insider story on uh, Google, um, allowing outside app developers to um, access people's uh, Gmail. Yeah, yeah, is that um, great? <laughs> um, so according to the uh, the Wall Street Journal, if you s- sign up for price comparison services, automated travel itinerary planners, um, from, from a advertisement in your Gmail, some of the companies involved in price comparison services or automated travel itinerary planning will use software to scan your email, um, scan the headers, pull over private messages and they actually get into and um, read the internal um, parts of your, 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 your emails in the Gmail system. Not like, not just the front of envelope stuff like the headers. Um, that's, that's like, um, <laughs> what, 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 what do you say to that? Like, Oh my yeah. God, I, I million people use <laughs> Gmail.
4: This is one of those cases and all the people like it. This is an app thing. It had to connect to your account. You let it um, not understanding oh, yeah, when they it say, stuff. Yeah, well, exactly. And that's. this is one of those cases where you kind of don't see that coming where, where I, I actually I. I saw you know often I'll I'll end up going yeah it's it's kind of your own fault you read what that thing says it it did exactly what it was supposed to do if you just read it and click it instead of clicking accept um, and I'm talking about the brief ones but this is one where it clearly yes it might have asked you but I think any user has reasonable intent when Google's asking their permission to connect things together to go surely Google isn't handing over my emails. right? like my full email. I understand if they need to see the from twos for something about, you know, some interaction here. Yeah, sure, I want you to see who I email with so that I can send them all a bunch of spam requests. Um, you know, but I'm volunteering for it. But you, the victim in this case, the people whose emails have been accessed, um, I, I this is one of those cases where I side with them because I think the company would should be under... <laughs> Basically, they need to protect their users from anybody accessing their email, and that is just something that we should be able to assume, right, rather than, you know, protect it ourselves. If they asked for my username and password to my Gmail to access this app, well, clearly that's my fault, but they didn't. Uh, so, folks, just always check what your connections are and take three seconds and, and think about what you're doing um, before you start giving permissions all willy-nilly and, and ask yourself why. But in this case, I, in my opinion anyway, the fault really lies on Google because I think I should believe that Google will never actually give away my emails themselves, even if I'm saying, yes, you can access Gmail. I, I think it's reasonable for me to go, yeah, what they mean is my from and to connections and, and who's getting my emails, not that Google's actually going to go, yeah, here's all of his emails. Indeed.
0: <laughs> That's quite a glitch there, Google. Um, yeah. <laughs> So, please don't try to fob it off as a glitch, because I'm not sure anyone's <laughs> going to believe you. It's been going on way too long. Don't, yeah. don't go that direction. Try a different PR tactic. Take my advice on this one, please. Oh, and uh, stop the punchers from reading my Gmail. <laughs> wow. Okay, I wanted to get into an article that you wrote. It was actually uh, published uh, just earlier today um, over at uh, Search Engine Land, predicting the value of search engine, of a search engine ranking signal. We don't got time to do that, I'm afraid, but... Interestingly enough, we actually have a guest who is like beyond qualified to discuss this with (laughs) you, Uh, Dwayne Foster, coming up, who is delving his uh, attention time into machine learning and artificial intelligence. I'm pretty sure that's what he's going to want to talk about, and he's going to want to talk about that coming up after the commercial break which we're going to be taking right about now because it's 21 minutes after the hour at the time of recording and on behalf of dave davies from Beanstalk internet marketing this is jim hedger from digital always media you are listening to webcology on webmaster radio.ifm on the 5th of july 2018 friends stick around we got Dwayne foster coming up after these messages
3: sit tight and don't move webcology will be back after this short break
1: There are over 70 million active podcast listeners in the U.S. WebmasterRadio.fm reaches them all with the largest global distribution of any online business-to-business podcast network. Through iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, and the WebmasterRadio.fm mobile app, we can target and place your message in front of those active listeners immediately. Now, your message can be delivered with less commitment and investment on over 20 hours of weekly original content hosted by the most respected names in digital marketing thanks to an exclusive private offer available for a very limited number of companies. But you must act fast. Email brasco at wmr.fm and get your message delivered.
3: Online, anytime. Webmasterradio.fm. We're everywhere. Commercials off. Now back to Webcology. Only on Webmasterradio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Devie.
0: Hey Everyone, welcome back to Webcology here on WebmasterRadio.fm. It's the 5th of July, 2018. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media and Dave Davis from b Internet Marketing. And even better, we got Dwayne Foster on the line. Dwayne, how you doing, man?
2: I am good. I'm good. How are you guys doing today? Uh, better that you're here. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> um,
0: just, you know, happy Canada Day and 4th of July at the same time.
2: Thank you very much. Yes, it's been uh, a heck of a week for me, um, sitting around the house alone on Canada Day, uh, sitting around the house alone on July the 4th, I'm building onto a theme here for all of my major holidays in life, uh, you know, my birthday, sitting around the house alone. That's uh, that's what 2018 is all about.
0: You, your motorcycles, your guitars, and your yeah. loneliness. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, no, I'm technically never really alone, am I?
0: No, uh-huh. yeah. you got and you got all of us too. Oh, right! <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing
4: you've ever said. Jim.
3: well, I try.
0: Well, you know what? In the uh, in the near future, you're also going to have all your you know uh, robotic and automatronic buddies that are you know going to be popping
2: up, um, like, like weird pop ups. Already have them. Okay. Oh yeah, no. I mean, I've got all the devices. I spend my time uh, chatting with uh, with Alexa and Google and Cortana and uh, Siri, and um, it's uh, it's always good for a laugh. I can tell you that.
0: Well, um, I mean, I'm, you're half joking, but I think you're also half serious because you are. Yep. I mean, you are running a lot of experiments on the different systems. Um, who's the best yep. conversationalist?
2: So it really depends on what you're trying to accomplish. I mean, like if you if you're looking for facts and figures, um, you know Google still has a marginal lead, if you will. Um, If you are um, if you are truly up to understand where the future of conversational engagement is, you need to go ask Alexa to chat. And um, I'm I'm not going to say her name because the minute I do, my Alexa in the corner is going to. There she goes.
3: Hang on. I'm going
2: to go hit a button here and turn this gal off because holy cow, if I don't do this, she'll just be like all up in my face. And uh, there we go. So what you want to do is uh, ask Alexa, say, Alexa, let's chat. And that will take you into an area of Alexa that was built as part of a competition for universities and indeed for anybody to use uh, Alexa and AWS to build a system capable of having a conversation for a minimum of 20 minutes, and that is a very different user experience than, you know, uh, turn the lights on, change the color to blue, um, you know, find me a red sweater, what's the weather outside, and so on. And that's that's the the direction we're going in. It's called the Amazon or the Alexa Prize and universities compete for it University of Washington won it last year and w- when you actually get in there you're not going to mistake this for you know anything else, I mean you know you're talking to a machine and, and that's fine, but its ability to thread a conversation is eerily like what we might do when we meet someone for the first time um, you, know, you seek to find something in common that you can discuss and talk about and uh, once you've got that you then find that you're going back to other things. You explore the topic a bit, and then you realize, oh, wait, there's another element over here that we have a, a similarity in. Let's talk about that. And so you kind of jump back and forth, and that's what this conversational matrix does inside Alexa. And it's, I've, I've taken this to almost 40 minutes, being able to have this conversation. Um, a lot of it has to do with training the system and, and helping the machine learning learn more about you along the way. So it knows what to bring into the conversation, what to avoid. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's part and parcel of where we're at today. That's, that's where we're at right now. And, and it won't matter at any point in the future, just like a human being, when we're born, we have to be trained in a lot. We have to learn a lot. And indeed, you could argue that throughout our entire lives, we are learning. Mm-hmm. Um, and so machines would be no different, you know, even when we turn them on you know, it's it's tempting to think that when you turn on this artificial being that is your new best friend, they will suddenly be up and running and answer everything perfectly and know exactly what you want. And they're not going to know any of that crap unless you train them. And that could take years. I mean, you know, a new topic comes up and you're only now just starting to think about it. Or like most humans, you avoid it for several years until you finally have no choice but to engage on it. And then you engage on it. Well, that's the pace at which your technology will learn as well because that's the pace at which you're learning. So, so it's, to me, it's all very fascinating information. Um, and also, you know, just, just looking at machine learning and trying to understand, you know, how you teach a machine to learn something. That's, that's a very interesting process and there's a number of different tribes behind that. And it's, it's not at all straightforward,
4: but, uh, but I'm glad people are doing it. That's for sure i just had to shut both of mine off for the rest of this conversation as well because i've got my alexa and Home sitting on my desk um who do you think i mean you brought up some interesting points you're talking about alexa right now because it's winning the battle um you, you know in in conversational you know we're watching google certainly in the serp certainly in their algorithms you know rank brain whatever uh pushing into entities which is going to you know, entities and machine learning, which is obviously going to have a lot to do with with conversational voice search. Yeah, from the conversational standpoint, you know, it accelerated Google Translate's capabilities. You know, more in a day than humans could in ten years. So it, it yeah. does a job. Who? wins both of them are doing great but oh. alexa can get you know or do they just serve different functions is it that you alexa know. is sitting there so i can buy stuff easy and google's sitting there so i can have a conversation a couple years oh, from oh hell now.
2: no that is that is an easily <laughs> oversimplified cop that's what that is. Uh, okay. <laughs> So is i'm not gonna let you stand on that bs all right here's here's the reality as i see it unfolding um ultimately the winner is the consumer But the battle that we're seeing today with voice is no different than the battle as consumers that we have been a part of for the last, I'm going to say, 20 years. If you extend this argument, you could say that it's been this way for 100 years. And that is the battle for the market share of my life. And here's what I mean by that. If you look at like right now, I think Amazon, if you look at the categories they have coverage in, it's something like 18 categories and Google is 22 categories, or it may be the numbers are reversed on that. Regardless, they're pretty close to each other in terms of the different types of information that they can bring back for you, whether it's straight data lookup, you know, weather information, um, event information and so on. Um, and so so we have that today. I mean, you know, it's never been cheaper, right? Like you can get some, Sometimes if you get the right promotion, you get these devices for free for crying out loud. So, I mean, like, it's never been cheaper to access the technology. Um, and what's really fascinating, though, is when you look at how they are extending into our lives, uh, Google has, excuse me, Google's big bet around uh, the Internet of Things. And, you know, just recently, I think it was within the last couple of months, they announced that, they have a partnership and standard that allows them to connect with like 20 or, uh, sorry, 5,000 internet of things devices. And, you know, these are things like televisions and refrigerators and vacuum cleaners. And you name the household object. Uh, If it's capable of being quote unquote smart uh, and it runs this protocol, Google has the ability to talk to it, to deal with it, to, you know, interact with it and control it. And, that, that's, a, that's a big deal. I mean, that's a major footprint into uh, the structure of the average consumer's life. Now, if you look at Amazon, Amazon has partnerships with Ford and with Audi. And so you can buy a vehicle that has Alexa built into it. Um, more than that, uh, Amazon just announced last month the partnership with a company called Lenar. Lenar is a, um, they build houses, they build communities, neighborhoods. And so you will be able to buy a home through Lennar and have Alexa embedded in the home. So, you know, we're all talking about this in terms of a device fight, a battle royale for my mantle space, if you will. Google and Amazon are thinking leaps and bounds ahead of this conversation. They're thinking about how do I change your home buying experience? or your object buying experience, so that all of the major pieces of your life that you interact with, spend time with, or otherwise engaged with, point you back to us. And fill in the blank on who it is. So who wins? I, I don't know that I want a winner if we have to pick between one of the two of them, because this truly gets us to that Star Trek moment computer embedded inside my home where I can simply speak and get answers. It's the two of them that get me there. Having well, one winner, oh, that, just, that just doesn't feel right to me. You know, you, I, you,
0: you've almost short-circuited a question I've been working on for the last two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> because we're, we're often taught to think in terms of winners and losers. Um, if Alexa wins, then Google must lose. If Google wins, right. then Alexa must lose. But as you said, one of them is looking at uh, being, being integrated into the infrastructure itself, into the, into the, 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 yep. the frame of the house. The other one is looking at being part of the um, the appliance the world. That, well, the pieces that fill the home. The pieces that fill the home, indeed. So, does there actually right. have
2: to be a clear winner, or is there space for them to work cooperatively? Oh, is I there any will?
3: That. For I, that? I don't
2: know that. I, if you went to talk to the companies, I'm sure each would tell you, at some point, if the PR people were not there, that they want to be the winner. No question. I mean you can't have a competitive market space in America. If you have the mindset of there was once a famous quote, we're happy being number two. Okay. You know what? Big company. You don't say that there's only one answer. The answer is to be number one, um, from the consumer perspective though, and where they're putting their dollars. I think the conversation breaks down from there. And if you actually look at where consumer dollars are going today, let's break this out by, um, by household income, so those over 150k, um, they're buying of these new devices, so uh, Amazon Alexa Echoes and and so on, that has slowed year on year, which makes sense. They were the early adopters. They got in two years ago. They don't need a new device this year. That's fine. This holiday season, however, everybody dropped their price point to 20 bucks for an entry level product that gets you speaking to these systems, and suddenly the group between zero and 75k income and 75 150k income these people are now all over this and they have more than doubled their purchasing year on year for these devices so you know we we see a lot of things that you know i've been asked if this is a fad i can assure you it is not a fad um you know and and if you look at the way humans we speak four times faster than we type as we get older it's harder to see the screens, so speaking versus typing on a phone makes more sense Uh, For those who are visually impaired, to some degree, voice is better. There's less of a learning curve when it comes to speaking versus quality and speed of typing for the average human being. Um, We all learn to speak when we are young. We don't necessarily learn to type when we are young. Um, There's all kinds of reasons for that. Chief among them, if you want proof of this, is go to the career website at Amazon and just take a look at how many knowledge engineers they're hiring for Alexa. I think right now the number is somewhere between six and seven hundred open jobs for knowledge engineers. And And roll that back. Take the job title out and just look for open jobs that are available at Alexa. That number's close to, I think the last number I saw was just over 7,000 jobs. I mean, these companies aren't making this investment if they think it's a throwaway, you know? So, you know, when you couple that with things like, you know, the flattening of the um, of the smartphone market and, you know, the growth there is stagnating, it becomes clear that we have a new paradigm. There's a new sheriff in town and that sheriff is voice interaction powered by machine learning and A.I. And so, you know, when it comes to winners, losers, short term, it's going to be consumers. Long term, it's going to be consumers along the way market share and billions of dollars will flow to several of the bigger players in that group and when you're talking about billions of dollars obviously more is better but i don't think anyone's going to complain about a little more billion or a little less billion you know it's it's there's there's a rationality that happens there
0: how about in the online marketing world uh i mean in 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 the service sector of the online marketing world where are the winners and losers going to be demarcated like uh I'm, i'm When,
2: if you're so, not so, if you're not working with voice now, when's too yeah, late? You're screwed. Um, so so let me <laughs> let me be crystal clear about this. Losers will be people who think that SEO has a shelf life of more than about five years right now. Um, it has that I, long. Well, no, but here's the thing: I'm being generous, right? Because I don't want to cause panic with people <laughs> with them thinking, "Oh my God, i uh, oh, my income's going to dry up by Christmas." Like, well, for some people it will, um, but generally speaking. What's going to happen is, and you guys have seen this: the world of SEO has become commoditized. You know, you can go on Fiverr and get SEO advice. Even my, better, my favorite is you can get all for free now. So you know, you don't really need to go that deep on it. Um, the agencies or the engines have been getting smarter about it. The systems that power of them are getting smarter about it. The consumer patterns of what they're looking for have been so well defined at this point that. It's relatively straightforward for the engine to get the correct answer in any given situation. So, you know, the argument could be made, is there a career path for people who are strictly technical SEOs? The work still has to be done, absolutely, but is there any upward mobility from manager to director to vice president? That is much more in jeopardy, and so... If you are um, if you are an agency or a consultant and you're providing only one area of this um, kind of advocacy for your client, this becomes a challenge for you, because fewer and fewer clients with big enough pockets to make it worth your while will exist to take only that sliver of information, and that that's detrimental, obviously, to your business. So, you know, my um, my feeling on this is very clear. Um, You know, you need to pivot. You need to get better at a lot of different things. In fact, if you want to have a career as such in this industry, you need to look at a concept that's like digital knowledge management, something that you have expertise across a wide range of areas, because that allows you to come in as a senior person and manage all of those individual teams or outsource solutions. That's what digital knowledge management sets you up for SEO. Yeah, that's one factor in all that, but it's not the factor. Social media management, a factor, not the factor. And so that's what a career path looks like in this. Companies themselves, they need to get on this, and I mean fast. Like the pace of adoption of new things and new uh, new services, this is really tied to consumer aging, consumer maturation. And so as you have Gen Z and millennials, they're starting so Gen Z is starting to come to a point where they're getting their first paychecks and you know they're starting to become a purchasing factor. The millennials are already there. If you're not figuring out ways to attach to what matters most to them in their lives and slot yourself into their lives in some way, you're screwed. I mean, brand loyalty has never been lower. So you know, and let's not confuse brand loyalty with brand recognition. A lot of people recognize a brand name. A lot of people are not brand loyal because it's not convenient to them in that moment. And so there's a huge, huge disconnect that happens there. Um, and so I, you know, I, I really think that the businesses that are going to be successful are going to find ways to maybe position themselves as the solution for part of your journey, not necessarily the most important part of your journey, not necessarily the only journey that you're on, but as a helpful adjunct along that journey. Those are the ones that are truly going to be successful long-term in this. And along the way, you've still got to do basic SEO. You've got to get technical stuff done. You've got to deploy structured data. You've got to be mobile-friendly. You've got to have a secure web connection. You've got to have fast page load times. All of that stuff, that now is table stakes. That's the baseline. So much so, you'll note, I only brought it up in the closing of this statement because I just assume you're <laughs> doing that stuff. If you're not, Lord help you. You're just You're lost in the wind at that point. Okay, friends, we have to take a break
0: here. Do we get you to stick around for a few minutes, can't we? Absolutely. Okay, if anybody out there is thinking of starting a digital marketing podcast, listen to the last um, five minutes of this podcast, and you got more than enough topics for for a year's worth of work. Friends, you are listening to Webcology on webmasterradio.fm. We have to take a break for commercials. It's the uh, 5th of uh, July, 2018. Stick around. More, More after these messages.
3: Sit tight and don't move. Webcology. will be back after this short break.
1: Ready to do a podcast for your business? Make that podcast elevate to enterprise level. Let WebmasterRadio.fm expedite and execute your podcast to build your brand and broaden your customer base. WebmasterRadio.fm has worked with the world's biggest tech brands, Google, Yahoo, and Bing, And I've worked with fast-growing brands like ShipStation and GoDaddy. Now it's your turn. Contact brasco at wmr.fm and rush your enterprise-level podcast into production at a very reasonable rate. Email brasco at wmr.fm.
3: Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, avid snowboarder, Find our shows on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, and anywhere you download your podcasts. Pick out some new favorite podcasts now. Commercial's off. Now back to Webcology, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here are the host, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies.
0: Everyone. Welcome back to Web WebCulture and Webmaster Radio.fm. It's the 5th of July 2018. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media and Dave Davies from Beat song Internet Marketing. We're joined by Dwayne Foster and you know our Forster. And then an interesting thing just happened in the uh, towards the end of that commercial break. The <laughs> the noise the, the music going into that commercial break sounded like somebody trying to play She Sells Sanctuary by the cult. Um it wasn't. It was a bed track that um Every radio station in the United States uses to, um, or a soundtrack of of music that every radio station in the United States uses because it's free to use this this unlicensed music. We're talking back and forth during the during the break in our in our chat room about this. And Dwayne writes, "It's probably written by a machine," which I thought was an excellent segue into. Um, i mean seriously are they are they taking over even even recording like the guy on the guitar with with the guitar in the studio doing bed tracks he's gonna lose his job too
2: <laughs> well I, you see here's the thing i don't know that everybody loses a job in this scenario right i believe there's going to be a lot of displacement because and we, we touched on this earlier um those machines need to learn from something and that there's there's a lot of data out there. You could just give them the entire anthology of all music online and say, Here, here's what music sounds like. Make me something. Uh, a machine would probably be infinitely better at making something truly unique versus a human. Because it's quite possible you and I might have a similar influence, the cult or you 2 or something. And therefore, we are predisposed to thinking and looking in a certain direction. And we come up with something that sounds moderately similar. Similar enough that a machine could avoid that. Because the machine is breaking it down into ones and zeros, literally ensuring that it cannot make the same piece twice. So, you know, I mean, on on one level, you have that. Um, On another level, the, the opportunity for a machine to take over for a human is still very limited. I mean, great for things that are repetitive, like welding in a factory, producing automobiles or consumer goods um it's great for that kind of thing but less so when it comes to design the refrigerator figure the layout of the refrigerator you know actually test the usage case of the refrigerator that's not really where the machine shines right now maybe someday but but you know humans still have it over the machines for now
0: okay now we're we're, we are talking about this i didn't mean to jump on you but i need to need to get this one quick question (laughs) yeah yeah you there are more jobs available today than there were five years ago. That's, I, I think any, any scan of, the, uh, uh, of the, the, the online boards will, will, will prove that. Um, but you need certain qualifications for these jobs, certain education, certain training. And that, a lot of that went by the wayside over the last uh, 20 years for whatever reason. As you said, there's going to be a lot of displacement moving forward in a uh, machine learning future. What kind of training can people get today? Right to start right now for, for the for the jobs coming in the future.
2: So there are all kinds of courses available, whether it's on online courses or at universities even now, uh around machine learning, around teaching machines to learn and how that process lays out, what it actually looks and feels like. Um and so those are things that are like career oriented, right? Where you know, let's say you're an undergrad and you're trying to decide what you want to actually focus on, you may want to shift to something in the computer sciences and specifically in machine learning. Because that is going to be a growth industry for the next 20 years plus. If not infinity. Um, you know, beyond that, people can actually just go read books. There are a bunch of books available. Um, <laughs> and and it's, it truly is an option. And I, I realize the Irony of suggesting this to people, um, but you got to start somewhere, and and that is a reasonable place for most new people starting on a topic is go find some books on machine learning, and at very least it will help you with the vocabulary, with all of the different words that people are using, and will help you figure out meanings, it will help you figure out syntax, it will help you figure out the grammar of the new language you are learning, so that you can actually then understand it and start to make contributions that that is huge um, you know and then you know if folks really want to dig in if you want if you're already in this industry and you kind of want to future proof yourself you know you need to start looking beyond your own discipline i mean you you like it doesn't matter how good you are at your technical discipline you need to look beyond that you need to say great well where are the areas that i don't have a lot of experience in and how do i go and learn more about that And that might be, you're not strong in social media, you better go fill in that blank. You're not strong in analytics, you better go fill in that blank. Like That's what's going to get people to see you as a viable alternative moving into the future for corporations.
4: You know, as soon as you said books, I couldn't help but think, hey, ironically you could order it from that Alexa and just have it delivered right to your door. Yes. Um, Although I was a little thrown aback when you said the word book. I was like, right, I remember those. Um. You know, that it's not on a Kindle. Um,
2: But here's the thing. Here's the thing. The reason that I say this, and and, and it could be the Kindle, that's fine. Books, reading in general, is one way to train your brain on something because it takes more effort to read the book and you will retain more than if, let's say, you listen to us talk about it on a podcast. Listening to us is a very passive activity. Reading about it takes concentration and focus. So that's obviously a different scenario. It's... It's a very, um, it is one of those things where if you've got too many people or if your approach to things is to kind of take it easy, to go slow with it, to do as little as possible and try to get something out of it, you're almost invariably going to fail. You're going to miss something. You're not going to learn something. There's a reason why structured learning still matters. And it's also why machines learn the way they learn. It has to be structured.
4: You know what? I want to have a discussion over the, the unstructured and structured model. So I'm just going to drag you on again because I know we're getting down to the to the last few minutes here. I, I, I need to ask me. What are you up to these days, buddy? <laughs> so,
2: um, so my my focus is um, my title is um, Vice President of Industry Insights. My focus is literally on what we're talking about on these kinds of things and trying to help businesses understand how consumer behavior is changing as a result of this, and what they need to do to actually be successful in the future. So it means a lot of reading on these topics, a lot of focus on these areas to try to better understand exactly what's happening in these spaces. You know, um, a year ago, I was moderately concerned the machines were going to take over the world. And now... I'm not worried about that at all. I'm worried about too many of my favorite businesses not moving fast enough in the world of voice search and getting left behind. And then what does that do to me as an individual consumer in the f- future? Well, I'm kind of hosed. And so, um, <laughs> you know, my in my spare time, I, I spend it running between um, guitar shops and barbecue joints, uh, trying to help mm-hmm. them, those local businesses be more successful.
3: Well,
4: that is a great and it, look at you <laughs> taking <laughs> one for the team there. <laughs> <laughs> That's so kind of now you. Are, you, are you going to any uh, conferences coming up?
2: Yeah, I have. Uh, oh boy, what do I have coming up? I am going to be um, New York. We've got uh, VoiceCon happening in Newark, New Jersey, uh, July twenty third to the twenty sixth. I'll be speaking there. Uh, Affiliate Summit East on the 29th nice. um, and then I've got uh, I've got a webinar with Amazon beginning of September around the sixth. Uh, State of Search in the beginning of October, PubCon Azima down in uh, Phoenix. I'm I'm on the road the rest of the year basically.
4: Wow. Well, I will I guess not see until State of Search, but that's going to be awesome. Then that's fine.
2: I- that's fine. You come along. We'll 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 head down to Lockhart Smokehouse and we'll do our usual, you know, uh, barbecue run there after the show.
4: One did not. Don't have to ask me twice. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> And we could continue our debate, unstructured, structured, what are the uses for, for both of them? Well, not continue it, but, uh, you know, begin a, a debate on that one. Uh, Absolutely.
3: So any, well, uh, well, I
0: got a quick curiosity, Dwayne. Who, uh, who yeah. books your airline tickets for you? I do that <laughs> myself. No no machine No machine. Uh, uh, I wish.
2: I wish. <laughs> um, I wish we were there. We're not quite there yet. Uh, Bill Gates promised it several years ago, but we haven't had it happen yet. Um, I, I want a digital agent in my hip pocket so that I can simply say to my boss, yes, I'm going to go speak at this conference on this date and the machines do the work and come back to me and say, congratulations, your ticket's booked. It's on your calendar. You know how to get to the airport. And then even then I want them to book a car for me and I want them to clear the path with no traffic. Kind of don't care how they do that. (laughs) Your option is fine for me.
0: (laughs) Okay, I was just curious. Um, we we did lead the uh, the show with um, Google inadvertently allowing um, travel itinerary planners into people's yeah.
2: emails. Yeah. And listen, you know, I'm not I'm I'm all for privacy. Um, not arguments that I am taking sides on by any stretch of the imagination. But we do not get to the utopian world of the machines being useful to humans if we don't share information. So, you know, to bring in some of the structured, unstructured, whether we do this in a structured manner or it happens without our knowledge in a more unstructured way, it still has to happen. You have to you have to train the machine. We live in a
0: rather laissez-faire world. Um, I mean, I know we have rules and regulations, but
2: we only tend to have rules and regulations after we've gotten somewhere. Oh yeah, after somebody's been hurt, you get rules and regulations. Um, and yet we are smart enough to know that we need to build the rules and regulations up front. Like we we are smart enough to know that. And yet I, I and yet don't know haven't. that we're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and historically and we, haven't. we don't, yeah. Historically we hadn't. But um, it's uh it's pretty important, especially with this kind of thing. I mean, you know, this is this is important stuff. This is the data of who we are as individuals. And so it's incredibly important that it's managed properly. If there was anybody working on
0: rules, regulations, privacy, or concerns um, uh, at a government level in America, who would that
2: be? Oh, well, I'm hoping Matt Cutts is involved at some point. Indeed. I'm <laughs> um, a <have> conscientious, uh, <laughs> rather amazingly
0: intelligent person, but I understood that he was involved in just making the U.S. Yeah. government
2: easily accessible to people. Yeah, that's Matt Matt's work is, is quite a bit different. Um I you know, I don't know. It's difficult because we in order for us to have the rules and regulations that we need, the legislation in place, um, we actually have to truly educate the lawmakers. Indeed. And in a lot of cases, we have people who are formulating laws that generationally come from a different time and that don't necessarily have the same um flexibility on their information as another generation might have so we have to have those open conversations in order to facilitate that growth moving forward uh, ultimately it takes time i mean none of this stuff happens quickly and i'd be actually more concerned if it did happen quickly because chances are we got something wrong if we move too fast
0: indeed i i think you were you were thinking of um in, in, in that example of ted uh, senator ted stevens who While trying to explain uh, the internet, ended up explaining TCPIP without realizing what he was doing. The series (laughs) of dump trucks going through the tubes. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, And actually, it was a good analogy for completely the wrong thing. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
4: (laughs) Um, I think uh, you're about to get the hook, Jim.
0: We are about to get the hook. I can see Brasco's screen moving on my screen. <laughs> my great fascination here. Okay, we are about to get the hook. Uh, I want to keep this conversation going because, damn, this is interesting. Dwayne, we've got to get you to come back again. Uh, friends out there, if you see Dwayne Forrester's name on a conference pamphlet, a conference advertisement, bloody hell, book your tickets. Get a machine to book your tickets. I don't care how you book your tickets, go listen to this guy because an hour with him just isn't long enough Dwayne thank you so much for being on Webology today man absolutely guys I appreciate the time and thanks for having me on the show Kids, okay. friends that was Dwayne Forster um uh, a technologist extraordinaire. You've been listening to Webcology on WebmasterRadio.fm. It's the fifth of July, twenty eighteen. Stick around the radio on behalf of Dave Davis from Beefsunking and their Marketing, and <laughs> the head from Digital Always Media. Stick around the radio. Great stuff coming up after these uh, after these messages. We'll talk to you next week.